David's life and, and how David works through these uh, or how God allows these in his life to start with. So verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David and Jonathan loved him as himself. Now if you'll go backwards just a minute, uh, a couple of chapters to 1 Samuel chapter 14. You will see Jonathan. The first time that Jonathan is mentioned in Scripture is 1 Samuel 14. And it is uh, a time that, that Saul is uh, fighting against the Philistines. And Jonathan and his armor bearer go out to fight against the Philistines by themselves. And Jonathan has a victory in, in a very improbable way. And, and so Jonathan is a warrior. Jonathan is, is someone that's in his dad's army. And, and he should be the heir to the throne. Right? You would think that. He's, he's older than David. Uh, because you know David is is a shepherd boy, and Jonathan is a, a warrior. All right, so the, so there's an age discrepancy or, or an age difference. Jonathan raised in the palace. David is raised in the sheepfold. Okay. And so there's a lot of differences. But it says, look at what he, go back to 1 Samuel 18. And I want to bring your attention to this one word. It says, and the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. I won't have you turn there, but I'm going, I'm going to read Genesis 44, verse 30. It says, now therefore, when I come to you, your servant, my father, and the lad is not with us since his life is bound up. And that's the same word. His life is bound up in the lad's life. Now that's the story of Joseph um, being in Egypt. His ten brothers are standing before him and he says, I want your youngest brother to come with me. But you can't see me unless you bring your younger brother, your, your youngest brother to me. And, and they say, we can't do that. We can't do that. His, his favorite son's dead. And now this guy, his whole life is wrapped up in the, in the lap. That's the word that's used whenever it says Jonathan was knit, his soul was knit to David. So, so think with me just for a moment. You know, we're, we're, most of us in this room are grandparents, not all of us, okay? Okay, most of us, excuse me. And I know some people, I know some of the grandparents that their lives are knit into their, their whole life is their grandkids. 
I mean, they, that's that's their life. You know? And, and you can't imagine life without those grandkids. That's that's the picture that Jonathan, the God God Samuel writes about Jonathan with David. All right, you see how closely knit they are together. How how the kind of friendship they have. I mean, it's a special type of friendship. Um, uh, and then he goes on. He says, Jonathan loved him as himself, and then. Verse 2, Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Remember before killing Goliath, David was going back and forth from the palace to the, to the sheep. Palace to the sheep. Palace to his dad's house. After he killed Goliath, Saul did not let him go back to his dad's house. He kept him in the palace. And Saul respected David at this moment. He's respecting David because of what David has done. And he sees that David is an asset to him. Alright? So you have two, two people, same, same family, father and a son, King and the heir to the throne that are are committed to David, and David is committed to them. David shows his submission to Saul. Look at verse five. So David went out wherever Saul sent him. So he didn't ask questions. He, he didn't challenge him. He didn't throw back up the statement, hey, remember, or you don't know this all, but I've been anointed king. He just went where it was all sitting. He showed submission. Now, it's difficult to submit. You ladies, y'all like that word? Okay. It's a good biblical word. Alright? So if you don't like it, talk, talk, talk to God about it. Alright? It's a good biblical word. We don't... Men... Okay, well, I, I challenge the women. Men, do y'all like to submit? I'm not talking about that, Steve Duncan. Listen, listen. We all think we know better. We all have our own ideas. We all have this, this perception of life that I know best. And we don't like to submit. We want to do it my way. We live in a society that does it my way. 
there's a fast food place that made that became very popular with have it your way. Alright? They mess it up whenever you don't do it the way you ask for it, but but anyway, their whole slogan is have it your way. Because we don't like the word submit. And yet David, the anointed king of Israel, submits to the man that he's going to take their place. We can learn a lot from that. Did David know better? Could David do things better than... Because look at the very next word, very next phrase in verse 5. What does it say? In everything he did, well, I'd skip one. He went out wherever Saul sent him and prospered. Very next word, he prospered. So Saul sends him out and God blesses him. We're prosper. There's two things about the word prosper. First thing is, it shows that he's wise. It shows that he's wise. Makes good decisions. The second aspect of that word is that he's teachable. So everything that now now remember David is we believe I've always been taught that David's probably 15, 16 years old, maybe 17, maybe. He's a young guy. And Saul sends him out. He's going to become a leader in the Saul's army, and he prospers. He, he, he makes wise decisions, and he's teachable. He's led sheep around. He hasn't led warriors around. Sheep don't answer back to you. I'm sure warriors would. Bible says he prospers. So he shows a submission that, that is, is, is unusual. David. Now let's go back to verse 3. Because we want to see the relationship that he has with, with Jonathan. This friendship. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the, of the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. First thing that we see there is that Jonathan, in this friendship, this intimate relationship, makes a sacrifice for, for David. He has a royal clothing. 
his royal robe. We just read about Joseph, or from the story about Joseph with, with Jacob and, and Benjamin. But, but remember Joseph's robe of many colors? He flaunted his robe, didn't he? Created a lot of problems for him. Jonathan's robe identified him as the son of the king. And he gave it to David. Just gave it to him. David didn't ask for it. There's a sacrifice involved in, in what David did, what Jonathan's doing. And then he gives him his armor. Now, don't you think the son of the king would have the best armor? Maybe the king has the very best armor, and then, then Jonathan would have the second best armor of anybody in the whole army? I, I would think so, because something happens to the king, the son of the king takes over. And he gives him his armor. He's showing a sacrifice. Now there's some other things that we're going to skip around in, in the in first uh, first Samuel just for a moment, just to show the relationship that Jonathan and David had. So there's a sacrifice involved in this friendship. Then there's a loyalty. Turn over to chapter 19. Look at verse 4 and 5. There's a loyalty from Jonathan toward David. Then Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king sin against his servant David, since he has not sinned against you, and since his deeds have been very beneficial to you. For he took his life in his hands and struck the Philistine, and the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by putting David to death without a call? So there's a loyalty. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a loyalty from Jonathan to David. You know, you would think that, well, you're loyal to your dad, right? You know, you would think. And, and here's, here's David, I mean, Jonathan saying, I'm choosing to be loyal to my friend and protecting him from my dad. It's important for us to, I mean, he's standing on truth. You know, we need to be honest with our friends. We need, we need to make sure that that honesty is there. But then, that, that loyalty, whenever you have that friendship with someone, even whenever someone says something negative about them, you come, you come right back and you say, but, you, dis, you dispute the, the whatever's negative. The next one I want you to look at, verse chapter 20, verse 41. So 
Saul is angry at David. He's now angry at Jonathan, his own son. And look at verse 41. It says, when the lad had, was gone, David rose up from the south side and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. He's showing his submission to Jonathan. And they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the more. There's a vulnerability amongst those friendship, that friendship. You're allowed to be yourself. You know, a lot of times we come to church and we put on our, our face, don't we? You know what I'm talking about? Whenever I was growing up, there, there would be uh, discussions at my house, I'll say it that way. On, on cooking on cooking lunch or whatever, fixing the Sunday afternoon lunch before we go to church and, and there'd be discussions at our house and then and then but whenever we walked into the church building, man we're all smiles. <laughs> you ever have those experiences? You know. But there's sometimes some some people you're able to just remove the mask and be honest, be true. Show yourself. And 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 show your hurt, show your pain, show your vulnerability. And that's that your transparency. I like that word as a counselor. I like to be transparent. And Jonathan, David was transparent with Jonathan. And Jonathan was transparent with him. He wept and he wept out loud. Now, here's two warriors crying on each other because of what was going on. You would think the two two warriors, man, you, we don't cry. You know, there's, um, well, I was trying to think of that Toby Keith song that has the letters from home and he's right, reading it. I think it's Toby Keith, but anyway, Letters from Home song. Anybody listen to country voice music besides me? Oh, um, but uh, and, and, and he gets a letter from his dad and brings tears to everybody's eyes and they straighten up real fast. So that, anyway, uh, it's older song back in the 15, 20 years ago. But anyway, it's called Letters from Home. Go look it up. <laughs> but we 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 have that we have that mask on. We don't want people to see our vulnerability. And yet, with a true friend, with 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 a relationship with people that that you can just completely be honest with. Jonathan and David show us that you can be yourself, be transparent. You don't have to hide. There's nothing to hide. And then finally, turn with me to uh, first, first Samuel 23. First Samuel 23. <coughs> Verses 15 and 16.
Now David became aware that Saul had come out to seek his life while David was in the wilderness of Zeph. The wilderness of Zeph, Zeph of Horish. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David at Horish and encouraged him in God. That relationship that we have with that friend is always going to be an encouraging relationship. It's going to be a, a relationship that, that, that points us to God and one that's full of encouragement. Oh, sure, there's there's issues involved. There's there's things going on. There's our lives are full of struggles. But that close friend brings encouragement to that person. And it helps them through who God is. Now go back with me. We see the second relationship and how it turns. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 18. Look at verse 6. It happened as they were coming when David returned from killing the Philistine that the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines and joy and musical instruments. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul became very angry for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they have ascribed thousands. Now that what more can he have but the kingdom? Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. Now remember, Saul brought David into the palace and did not allow him to leave. Put him ahead. Put him over men of war. Verse 5, I didn't read that. Put him over men of war. And it was pleasing in Saul's sight and pleasing in Saul's service. Everything that David did prospered. But here comes this, this party. The welcoming committee back into Jerusalem. And they started singing and, and they were singing a song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousand. Now, how many people has David killed? One. Now the Israelite army killed thousands after David killed one. But David killed one person at this point in the story. And people embellish the story. And Saul, because he's not in his right mind, believed the lie of the embellishment. 
I always tell people there's three sides to every story. His, hers, and the truth. Okay? Or his, his, and the truth. How, whatever, whoever's involved. Alright? Because the perception of your perception is your reality. Alright? Understand that. Your perception is your reality. And your perception is skewed by your own hurts. Let's see, what's the statement? Hurts, hang ups, and, and habits. Okay? Your perception is skewed by that. Your perception becomes your reality. Because as you look at something, you see it through that. Saul heard and he perceived. Now he knew that God's Spirit was off of him. Remember, Samuel told him that. God's Spirit's been removed from you. He's been going through all these horrible experiences. He also knew that the kingdom was taken away from him. Samuel told him that. And he said, what is this? Now what more can he have but the kingdom? He knew that someone else had the kingdom. He thought it was going to be Jonathan. And, and now David's doing all this stuff that everybody's happy about. And they start giving David more credit than he's due. And Saul starts saying, he must be the one. And the Bible says his anger burned within him. Now, the Bible also uses the same phrase for God. Where the Bible in, in Exodus and, and uh, the Israelites are throwing that party and Moses is up on the side of the mountain uh, talking to God and, and, uh, and they throw this party Worshiping that golden calf, and uh, it's a part of that. Uh, and and, uh, and the Bible says that God's anger burned within him. Same phrase. Anger. Anger is not a sin because God didn't sin. Okay. Remember that. Anger is not a sin because God didn't sin. He never has. But Saul's anger overtook who he is. Saul's anger became a sin. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says be angry and sin not. So the Bible tells us to be angry. The Bible gives us permission to be angry. We have the emotion of anger. Okay? But he tells us not to sin in that emotion. Saul sinned in the emotion. And he became suspicious of everything that David did from that moment on. Now, I guess, you know, you keep your 
friends closer, your enemies closer. Maybe that's what Saul is doing here by making sure that David never leaves the palace except to go on his errands. Look at what he says, verse 10. Now it came about that on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul and he raved in the middle of the house while David was playing the harp with, with his hand as usual and a spear was in Saul's hand and Saul hurled the spear for he thought I will pin David to the wall but David escaped from his presence twice. Michael, you played the guitar a little bit, is what you said, since you wanted that, whatever it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever, whatever you just said. I don't know what things are. I don't play the guitar. Do you think you would be able to concentrate on, on playing the guitar if someone stood there having being a lunatic with a spear in his hand? You know, and then, then he threw it at him. And David escaped. What did it say? Twice. twice. That means he threw it twice. He freaked it or threw it down. Or... There were two times that he threw. But you see, whenever we allow our anger to control our thoughts, we begin to see people outside of who God has created that person to be. Right. Saul now acts out of his own depression out of his jealousy for David. And he attacks. And God has put David in this situation to teach David submission to his leader and submission to God. What a place to be. That's a hard place to be. We're going to pick up next week as we look at how Saul continues to try to murder David. In the different avenues that he uses to murder David. And he will continue to use Jonathan to protect him and Saul to try to kill him. And all the while he's teaching him how to be king. <coughs> Anybody want to be in that, that crucible? 
I mean, that in, in internship program? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's pray together. Thank y'all for being here. And uh, as Miss Carolyn said, I um, I don't feel real well. I took the afternoon off from work. Uh, so y'all pray that I I'm not getting whatever is going around. And uh, this nurse in my office that has the flu that I have a desk right next to. Um, so, I don't have the flu symptoms, but I just have this cough and major fatigue right now. So, all right.